Hey everyone, this is Stan from UPD Triple and I thought it might be a good idea to start a podcast about metallurgical engineering. So yeah, here we go. Welcome back everyone. Uh, this is the third episode of uh, the podcast and today we'll be uh, looking into ternary diagrams. So uh, before we start, I would like to apologize for the late upload and uh, I hope we enjoy today's episode. Okay, so we've noted that some of the more important um, alloys when it comes to uh, physical metallurgy is uh, are primarily uh, binary in nature, no? But um, there are some alloys that are also of equal importance that are uh, that contain more than two components. Specifically, we have uh, ternary systems, and these ternary systems are also of uh, large importance to us in in metallurgy. We can see them in uh, in different alloys. We can also see them in different pyrometallurgical systems. And um, it is important for us to also study how these uh, ternary systems uh, behave now. Okay, so um, just a, a bit of a flashback. We, we've noted that um, for binary phase diagrams, we have three independent variables or three degrees of freedom. Namely, we have your uh, pressure, your temperature, and your uh, component. No? Uh, the component is, uh, e although this is a binary system, so technically there are two components, but when we fix one of the component, uh, the other component will just be the balance. No? So this means that one of the components is actually a dependent uh, variable, no? and only one is an independent variable. Okay. So if we fix the uh, pressure, for a particular system, then we can plot the two independent variables into a, a two-dimensional space. However, for uh, three-component uh, alloy systems, uh, the number of independent variables is actually four. So we have uh, the same pressure and temperature, so that's two, and we have two uh, compositions. No, so again, this is a ternary diagram, so there's supposed technically there's uh, three components, but uh, remember that um, if you fix two of the compositions, then the last uh, component will actually just be a dependent variable uh, to the two independent uh, component variables. This means that even if we uh, fix the pressure, we still need a three-dimensional construction for us to be able to uh, display the temperature and phase relations of uh, of ternary uh, systems now and uh, an example of uh, these um 3d constructions is shown in uh, slide number four of your handouts so you can see that uh, our ternary diagram is uh, sort of like a uh, triangular prism no and in the base the base uh, of the uh, triangular prism represents the three components while the y-axis will uh, represent your temperature scale okay so it, it is quite obvious now that um, drawing in 3d is uh, quite inconvenient no? uh, we, we always if if um, for for the practical engineer uh, it's always more convenient if you can represent uh, this uh, 3D ternary diagram into uh, the 2D space or the two-dimensional space. So there are two ways we can do this. One way is if we uh, take uh, what we call as isothermal cuts. No? So we can imagine this as um, taking a horizontal plane parallel to your basal plane. And we set this as a cutting plane that cuts across the 3D uh, ternary diagram no so what we end up having is a sort of cross section of the 3d diagram at different uh, constant temperatures so we can observe this in slide number five so you can see that at different uh, temperatures uh, our phase di or, or 
at different uh, temperatures, we can produce uh, different um, uh, sort of snapshots no? of the uh, different uh, cross sections of of our uh, ternary phase diagram, and this is um, conveniently represented as uh, 2D um, 2D diagrams. Okay, so and an yet another way of uh, doing um, or representing uh, the 3D diagrams into 2D space is through contour plots. So contour plotting is a uh, graphical technique now for representing a three-dimensional surface uh, by plotting uh, by plotting constant z slices. No, and these are these slices are known as your contours or contour lines. And in in our case for the ternary diagrams, our uh, z slices will be our uh, temperature slices. Okay. So for if you look at uh, slide um, number seven of your hand handouts, you can see a, a surface, no? And this surface is actually uh, the liquidous surface uh, that separates the liquid on top versus the uh, solid at the bottom, no? So uh, this uh, liquidous surface can be represented by the isothermal contour lines, no? And the way we do this is if we view the uh, 3D object from the top, no? So if we take the top view and plot the different contour lines, then we can see uh, we can see the shape of the uh, liquidus surface, uh, even though it is in a 2D uh, representation. No? So uh, these types of uh, plots are very useful when uh, we want to know uh, the cooling history or the uh, or if you want to do a cooling curve analysis okay so those are the two ways so uh, again uh, just to recap we have isothermal cuts and these isothermal cuts are useful if we want to know phase uh, equilibrium no and the second method is to, to do contour plots and contour plots are more useful when we want to do cooling curve analysis we begin with some of the basics now. Uh, ternary diagrams are drawn on uh, equilateral triangular bases, and we call this as the Gibbs uh, triangle. No? So again, it's an equilateral triangle, and an example of this is uh, shown in um, slide 8. And if you look at slide 8, uh, you will see how um, the, the scale is uh, distributed. No? Um, each of the uh, vertex of the Gibbs triangle represents 100% uh, of a particular component. So if you look at uh, the slide number uh, slide number 8, and if you look at the leftmost uh, triangle, we can see that uh, the top vertex is, uh, represented, uh, is represents the uh, component A. So naturally, for every, if, if the uh, vertex represents 100% uh, uh, composition of a particular component, then the opposite uh, baseline will represent uh, the 0% uh, composition. Okay, so this means that if we draw several parallel lines to the uh, baseline, then we can create a scale. No? So uh, as we move up uh, from the baseline, moving up towards the uh, towards the vertex, we have an increasing uh, linear scale of the composition of that particular component. Now, similarly, we can also do this for the other two components. No? So if we look at uh, component B, it is located at the bottom left vertex and therefore its opposite edge, the right edge will be its 0% uh, marker. And similarly, for uh, the component C, it is located at the bottom right vertex, and therefore the left edge opposite to that vertex is the 0% uh, line for component C. Now, let's try an example now to illustrate how we can uh, use the ternary diagram. Um, and for this, we'll use uh, slide uh, number 9 in our handouts. 
So let's just say, uh, let's just consider an alloy with an overall composition of 30% uh, A, 50% uh, B, and 55% C. Okay, so if we try to plot this, we should be able to get point Z, no? So let's do it step by step. So let's start with uh, 30% A. So um, in this uh, diagram, A is at the bottom left vertex. Therefore, we start counting 30% from the right edge. So the right edge being the uh, BC line, kumbaga. Okay, so if that is our 0% line, uh, then we move uh, in a parallel fashion. So we move towards 20%. Then we move another 10%. Again, from the right edge, no? this is uh, moving parallel uh, from the right edge. So we move another 10%. And we can see that, uh, and we can uh, fix a uh, line there no? in between the 20 percent and the 40 percent uh, component a markers now if we do component b the so component b here is the right uh, vertex or the bottom right vertex therefore the left edge will be the zero percent line of uh, component b so we can see that the uh, markers for component b is seen at the bottom no so you can see x sub b there so you can see that um, if we draw a parallel line from the uh, left edge, which is again the 0% uh, B, and uh, move towards the 20% uh, uh, component B marker, and just before we reach there, uh, if we draw uh, around 15%, then we should uh, intersect the first line that we have drawn uh, for the uh, component A. Uh, um, for the component A uh, line, no? so with that um, we we actually just need to draw two lines, no, because uh, two lines will intersect at a point, and uh, this makes sense, no, because again uh, for for ternary systems we only need to define two components, and the third component will uh, be dependent on the two components that we have already defined, okay. But if you want to uh, make sure, then you can also plot the third component. No? And uh, let's try to do it to, to do it in this uh, in this example. No? So if we uh, try to plot component C, and uh, component C is at the top vertex, that is uh, uh, the 100% C. Therefore, the baseline or the bottom edge will be our 0% uh, line. So if we move upwards in a parallel fashion to the baseline, then uh, looking at 55%, we will reach at the same exact point, uh, that is point Z. No? And I've represented uh, this line as a broken line no? uh, to signify that this is uh, not needed anymore. No? Uh, because again, we only need uh, two lines to define a point. Okay, so that's fairly simple enough. No? Okay, so let's try naman um, to determine uh, composition as opposed to plotting. No? So um, in this uh, particular uh, slide again, slide number 9, let's try to determine the composition of uh, the point M and point N. Okay, so uh, if we look at point N and let's start with uh, its uh, percent uh, A component. So if we want to know the percent A component, then we just look at the uh, baseline, no? Uh, oh no, sorry. Uh, we look at the right edge because again, uh, the A component is at the bottom left. That is the 100%. Therefore, 0% is the right edge. So if you can see the right uh, from the right edge, uh, N is around, um, I, I would say 8% somewhere around 8% no? so it's not at the uh, middle of or it's not in between uh, directly or exactly 50% uh, between 20 and the 0 so therefore I, I would say it's around 8% no? so it has 8% of component A and let's look at its component C if you look at the component C component C again is the top vertex therefore 
the bottom baseline is the 0%. So if you measure from there, uh, drawing parallel lines, and we can see that it is around uh, that's past 60% uh, marker, no? or the 60% line. And it is, I would say, around 7 uh, just below 70%. No? So uh, we can say 60, uh, 65 maybe. So if that's the case, then we can uh, say that uh, we can, uh, similar to what we did earlier, no, where we only determined the uh, two components because the third component will always be dependent on the first two components. So with that said, um, if we determine it as 8% um, 8% A and 65% uh, C, then the remainder would be 27% B. Okay? And we can also check this, no? Check if this is true. So if you look at the um, uh, B, component it is located at the again the bottom right vertex therefore uh, the left edge will be our component b and you can see that it is uh, just past the 20 percent uh, line no? and it is around yeah i would say that's around 27 uh, percent okay and now let's try uh, point m uh, again let's start with uh, the a percentage no? so point m um, if we read it from the right edge, that's around uh, just past 40%, no? but not quite uh, 50%. So I would uh, estimate it to be maybe 47%. So A is around 47%. Now let's go with uh, the B component. So B is measured from the left edge. And we can see that it is um almost at 10% no? just before 10% and i would if i would estimate i would say around 7% probably so if we uh get the balance we should get uh 46% for uh the c component and if we double check that uh we measure it from the bottom edge no so if we measure from the bottom edge we uh we go past uh, two um, parallel lines and in this particular graph each line represents a 20% mark no so in this case we are past uh, we are going past uh, the 40% line and that is uh, just before the 50% line and it makes sense to be around 46% no which is the balance we we've computed earlier so the first part is uh, fairly simple, no? the reading and plotting of different points on the ternary diagram. So what we just need is uh, the uh, vertex and the opposite edge to know the 100% point and the 0% line. Now that we know the basics of plotting and reading, we can now proceed to more uh, complicated analysis. Um, the first one we'll do is uh, phase analysis, and phase analysis uh, it can be done when we have uh, isothermal cuts of our uh, ternary phase diagram. Okay, so um, we can define uh, three types of uh, phase fields uh, in, in ternary diagrams, namely the single phase field, the two phase field, and the three phase fields. Okay, so we have an example here in slide number 11 and of our handouts and slide 11 shows a ternary diagram, a ternary isothermal uh, cut of a uh, iron, chromium, and nickel system. Okay, so we can observe uh, several uh, regions now if we ignore the grid lines for the uh, Gibbs triangle. Uh, we can see that there are um, several phase fields, no? And let's uh, look into the um, the single phase fields first. So, in to the right, uh, we have an image that is colored, no? If you can observe, the areas that are not colored are actually 
your um, single phase fields while you have um, areas that are colored in gray those are your three phase fields while those with different uh, bright colors are your two phase fields okay notice that two phase fields they actually have some um, uh, lines within them no and these lines are actually just tile lines okay and these tile lines uh, because they are in a two-phase field, they behave much the same way as the tie lines uh, behave in, in binary systems. No? But uh, we'll show you an example later on no? how we can use these tie lines. But uh, you'll notice that um, because uh, there are tie lines in the two-phase fields, uh, there isn't enough space to or there's no area to write uh, which phases are actually present. But we can actually uh, de determine this now simply by looking at the adjacent uh, fields where the tie lines are direct. So if you look at, uh, for example, the uh, pink na region or the pink field, we can see that the tie lines uh, connect the um, single phase region of delta in the upper uh, upper part portion and the gamma the single phase field gamma in the lower portion so therefore this pink field is a two phase field of gamma plus uh, gamma plus your delta okay so similarly if you look at the teal uh, the teal region in the left upper left uh, portion we can see that it connects uh, the delta and the beta phase therefore that teal region is the alpha plus beta region okay and uh, we can do that for uh, all of those uh, two phase fields no? we can readily um, determine which of the fields are present simply by looking at which uh, single phase fields uh, the tie lines connect okay now let's look at the three phase fields fields no and and, and in this uh, ternary system we can see that we have two two such fields and uh, the first one uh, the uh, the way we determine uh, which fields are present or which phases are present in that particular region is simply just looking at the vertices of the triangle that is uh, comprised or the triangle that comprises the um, the region no? or I should say the triangle that uh, defines the region okay so we can see that in the middle the middle uh, three-phase field its vertices are um, defined by the beta uh, the beta vertex uh, the the beta vertex to the left uh, then you have uh, the delta vertex uh, upwards and uh, downwards you have the gamma vertex therefore this um, gray uh, this three field uh, three phase field phase region is the region containing beta plus delta plus gamma okay now we have another three phase uh, field in the um, almost bottom left now and this bottom left uh, the vert the vertices uh, are connects the the uh, three single phase uh, fields now and uh, these vertices vertices are uh, in the the upper vertex is the beta vertex the left the lower left vertex is the alpha vertex and the um, bottom right will be the uh, gamma so therefore this three phase um, three phase field will be the beta alpha plus beta plus gamma region okay so those are uh, the the key uh, features uh, for isothermal cuts now you need to look for uh, which are the single phase regions which are the um, the two phase regions and which are the three phase regions so um there are key indicators uh, for 
you to determine the this uh, what type of fields these are now so whenever you see tile lines it means that that region is a two-phase region and whenever you see a triangle then it is almost always a three-phase field now and the three-phase field will be determined uh, or the phases present in that three-phase field will be determined by uh, uh, whichever single phase field is connected to the vertex uh, or the vertices of those of that triangle okay so uh, we can do some examples now and in in this particular slide uh, again we're looking at slide 11 now uh, we have two points here we have lay and these are labeled uh, point a and point b so let's do point a first and if you can observe point a is a is um, within a two-phase field no? and that particular two-phase field is the uh, gamma plus delta region okay so to for us to be able to determine the phase amounts uh, this is similar to how we do binary um, binary diagrams no? the phase amounts is determined by the inverse lever rule so if we um, if you look at slide number 12, you'll see that uh, I've highlighted the the tie line that is uh, connecting uh, the, I don't know, the, the particular alloy composition. So we can see that this tie line has two uh, endpoints. No? And uh, from those endpoints, we can uh, determine a, a lever. So we have two levers, the upper lever and the lower lever. And I've measured the, uh, the distances of this lever. So it's particularly difficult to, um, to measure or to, to get the exact uh, distances between uh, these levers because uh, it is plotted uh, against a, I don't know, equilateral triangle. So you need to do some mathematical manipulations for you to uh, determine the distances. Now, unlike the binary diagram where we can just directly uh, get the difference between the compositions at the ends of the tie line. Now. And that composition is uh, defined by just one component. So uh, again, you can easily uh, get the distances now simply by uh, doing a difference between them. But uh, here in, uh, in internary diagrams, you'll notice that um, each end of the tie line, the composition of, of the ends, um, have uh, three components. No? So it, it, it's difficult to get the, um, the coordinates or the, the difference between them because it is plotted in a coordinate system that is... Uh, not as straightforward as the x and y coordinate system now okay so um the easiest way to do this is we just measure uh the um the, the tie lines uh using uh, graphical means now so here i measured it using an uh, image measuring software so uh the name of the software is image j and this is uh, quite common uh, for metallurgical engineers now because uh, especially when you're doing uh, physical metallurgy because um, this software can uh, analyze several images like uh, micrographs or metallographs and they have uh, powerful functionalities that can help you um, that, that can really aid you in analyzing your uh, microstructures now so in this case, I'm just using uh, the image J to uh, determine the distances uh, or measure the distances between uh, the different uh, levers in this tie line. Now. So uh, you can calibrate it, uh, but uh, in this case, it's not necessary, no, because we just want to get the um, we we just want to get the percentage of the tie line. No? 
because if we get the length percentage uh, similar to the binary phase diagrams by getting the length percentages we can translate it into uh, amount percentages okay or, or phase percentages so um, here uh, I did not calibrate it I just measured the exact pixels so the upper lever is around 177 pixels long while the lower lever is around 189 pixels so if I uh, do the math then using the inverse lever rule uh, so the upper lever uh, will be the uh, lever that defines or that uh, that translates to the uh, lower endpoint no? which is uh, the gamma phase so my gamma phase will be that's if I do the computation that's 177 over the total distance which is 177 plus 189 it will give me around 48.3% uh, and if I take the balance that's 51.7% that is uh, the phase amount of my uh, delta phase okay so for the composition again similar to uh, binary phase diagrams you just get the compositions of the ends of the tie line no? so the delta phase will just be equal to the um the end that is uh or the end of the tie line that is uh directly connected to the single phase region no? so for example in the delta phase uh the upper end uh will be the composition uh, for your uh, delta so in this case it's around 85 percent chromium six percent nickel and nine percent fe then uh, at the bottom uh, that at the bottom end of the tie line that represents the uh, gamma uh, the, the gamma phase no? so the if you get the um, percentages the gamma phase is around 37% chromium 51% nickel and 12% iron so again this is uh, using the techniques uh, the basic technique that we learned earlier now on how to use the uh, the Gibbs triangle okay so um, that is for uh, your two-phase region and uh, again it is quite very uh, similar to uh, your binary phase diagrams no? where you use tie lines and inverse lever rules to get the phase amounts and the phase compositions now let's proceed with uh, three phase regions and this is where it gets a, a little more uh, complicated no? so in three phase regions or fields uh, for us to get the phase amounts we need to use what we call as the uh, gravity rule so the gravity rule is similar to the inverse lever rule but instead of just one line you do multiple lines no so the way we do it is um, if you are given uh, the um, the the alloy composition so in this case this is point b no so point b is our alloy composition and it is um, in the region it is in the three phase region so we can see this in um, more clearly in i don't know in slide 13 so if you look at slide 13 it's a zoomed image of the three phase field <clears throat> and we can see that the uh, the alloy b or point b is in the three phase region of uh, delta beta and gamma okay so the way we do uh, gravity rule is we take um, a line from the vertex and allow it to pass through uh, the alloy composition and in this case point b so if we take the uh, beta phase which is uh, the left vertex of the triangle no? and we project it towards the uh, passing through the uh, alloy composition which is point b and up until the right edge we should have a straight line no? And this line is divided into two levers. Uh, I'll, uh, divided uh, into two levers separated by point B. So similar to the tie line, the gravity rule also uses an inverse uh, lever rule. Now, 
so if uh, if I want to take the face amount of uh, beta then I will get uh, the length bx and divide it by the total length of the uh, of, of, of this line that I have created and I should get the face amount um, for the beta phase okay so similarly if I want to take the delta phase uh, the face amount of the delta phase then I get the uh, the delta vertex which is the upper vertex then I allow it to pass through point B and continue projecting the line until it reaches uh, the left edge producing point uh, Z in this uh, slide 13. No? So uh, again using uh, an inverse level rule uh, then I can determine the delta amount by taking the length of BZ that is uh, from point B to point Z and dividing it by the total length of the um, line connecting the vertex and point Z. Okay, so and, and I can also do that again for gamma. No? And if I did it correctly, I should have uh, the face amounts 41.7% for delta, 408 for beta, and 17.5% for uh, my gamma phase. Now, computing for compositions is much simpler, no? Uh, we just get the composition of the vertex, and that will be the composition of the uh, face represented by that particular vertex. So, if you take the bottom vertex, which is the gamma, then using the basic techniques of plotting and reading uh, uh, coordinates of the uh, ternary diagram, then... Uh, I should be able to get the face uh, composition of of the different uh, faces present in the three in the three phase uh, region. Okay, and if I and if we did it correctly, the composition should be for delta is sixty four percent chromium, around nine percent nickel, and twenty twenty seven percent iron. Then beta should be around 58% chromium, 8% nickel, and 42% iron. And lastly, your gamma should be around 32% chromium, 30% nickel, and 38% uh, iron. Okay. So uh, I, I think that's it for phase analysis. No. So uh, it's it's a little bit difficult because of how the um, how the plot is laid out no it's not a simple xy plot and sometimes it's easy to misread the axis no uh, sometimes you think that you are reading the axis for a particular component but you are actually reading the other component and uh, it, it can get confusing now so i suggest you just take time to practice it uh, i think uh, 176.1 has a lot of ternary diagrams so you should be able to get a <clears throat> a good feel of how to use uh, the ternary plots now now let's try to use our ternary diagrams uh, to do a cooling curve analysis of um, of ternary alloys now so uh, as mentioned in the introduction for us to be able to use uh, ternary diagrams as uh, for cooling curve analysis, we need uh, a special type of ternary diagram, uh, which is the uh, contour plot ternary diagram, where the contour plots uh, indicate uh, <coughs> lines of equal um, equal temperature. Uh, we call these contour lines as the isotherms. Okay, so l let's take uh, an example now. And um, for us to be able to um, better understand uh, how this uh, cooling curve analysis works, let's just take a simple uh, ternary system now where everything is a or where every binary uh, combination uh, of the ternary uh, components present is a eutectoid, is a binary eutectoid combination. No? Uh, so that means that if we look at the edges, 
of our ternary diagram which means that it is a, a binary uh, system no uh, we can see that it produces a eutectic uh, type of system okay so if we have a, a such case then we can see that um, each of the face of the triangular prism is actually just a binary uh, phase diagram no and a eutectic one at that okay and if we follow the uh, liquidus uh, curve again liquidus is um, is the uh, locus of uh, of temperature where anything above it will uh, ensure that your um, your system is in its liquid phase okay so if we follow the liquid um, curves uh, or the liquidus curves of each of these binary um, binary phases uh, you can actually produce a surface no and we call this as a liquidus surface so one such surface can be seen in slide 14 of your handouts so you can see that uh, it has uh, if you look at the figure on the right you can see that at the um, topmost surface of the 3d diagram you can see a sort of um, for me, it looks like uh, the Sydney, the roof of the Sydney Opera House. No, I don't know if uh, you can imagine it as well. But those surfaces are uh, the liquidus, um, liquidus surfaces. And when these uh, liquidus surfaces interact, so you you can see three of these. No, and uh, each of these three surfaces are uh, contributed by each of the binary systems no so it, if we um it allow them to intersect uh, we can see that they intersect at a particular line and these lines are known as your eutectic troughs no? so uh, these eutectic troughs also intersect into a singular point so you can see it uh, in the middle no where the uh, eutectic troughs uh, meet and that is our ternary eutectic point and this ternary eutectic point will represent the lowest temperature at which a liquid will exist in this uh, particular alloy now to begin our visualization oh, let's uh, take a um, arbitrary alloy composition x and let's try to look into uh, how this um this uh, arbitrary alloy composition x will change in its composition uh, with its phase amounts as it goes uh, down phase amounts and phase compositions i should say as it goes down uh, the temperature scale now so we begin at an elevated temperature where we are well above uh, any uh, of the eutectoid liquidus uh, surface surfaces and we are sure that we are in the 100% um, liquid phase. So as uh, we go down in temperature, we will soon um, intersect a liquidus surface at the point Y. And this point Y is the point wherein, <coughs> excuse me, you begin to form your uh, solid phases no so this is the point where the solid phases begin to nucleate and precipitate out now if we were to uh, move inside of this uh, solid or of this uh, 3d uh, ternary diagram no we can actually create uh, tie lines that will tell us um, the that will tell us the uh, phase amounts and phase compositions of the liquid and the solid phases okay so since this is a eutectic uh, um, or since we are only considering um, eutectic uh, uh, ternary systems no then we can be sure that there are no uh, complicated um, um, transformations that will occur okay so we when we go below y we can now begin to form the solids and if we can take uh we call it as an isoplethal uh i don't know an isoplethal cut if you take an isoplethal cut then we can actually represent it 
also in a 2D space and this 2D space and in this 2D space we can create the tie line um, but if we are interested in the um, liquid composition then we can just follow the liquidus surface now because uh, by following the liquidus surface we are actually following the uh, one end of the tie line uh, analogous to the 2D uh, phase diagram now. Okay, so if we follow that, then um, we can note the progression of the liquid uh, concentration. And you can see that it goes, it moves from point Y to point Z where it meets a eutectic trough. And when it meets that eutectic trough, it further moves down uh, following the eutectic trough path. Uh, moving towards the uh, ternary eutectic point. And similar to binary phase diagrams, when you reach the eutectic point, you now produce, uh, you now, uh, your liquid concentration has been, uh, has reached the eutectic composition such that it uh, is now allowed to proceed with the eutectic transformation. Eutectic transformation being uh, the transformation from one single liquid phase into two um, solid phases okay so again uh, let's just uh, review that no? so we move from point x then we intersect the um, the liquidus surface at point y then we follow the liquidus surface uh, moving until we reach a eutectic trough and the eutectic trough is located at point Z. We follow that eutectic trough uh, moving towards the uh, ternary eutectic point or the lowest uh, point in this eutectic surface. No? Okay. So uh, that's how we visualize um, doing cur cooling curve analysis. No? And uh, let's try to apply this on the 2D uh, ternary diagram with contour plots. So let's look at slide number 17 where we have a uh, the top view of the uh, 3D uh, ternary diagram no, showing the contour plots. And we can see that despite this being a 2D diagram, we can actually imagine uh, the 3D liquid surface no, simply by just looking at the, uh, the contour lines. So uh, these contour lines again are called isotherms because they represent uh, equal temperature lines and um and again because of the uh, contour lines no i am well able to imagine the uh the sydney opera house na type of surface dun sa no, no sa taas okay so we can see that uh we have in in this uh, particular uh, diagram we have three uh, regions no separated by lines moving towards the center so these three regions are the three separate liquidus surfaces and where where they intersect again is the eutectic trough and the eutectic trough has uh, directions no pointing toward uh, the eutectic the ternary eutectic point e okay so um this uh the these directions are important class now because when we are now trying to um <coughs> to uh, do a cooling curve analysis we will follow uh, these directions whenever we meet uh, a eutectic trough so so in future synchronous sessions i'll probably show some uh, more complicated examples where we have um, multiple ternary eutectic points and i'll show you why the direction is important no, when we're doing cooling curve analysis for those types of systems okay so in this example uh, we are doing uh, composition X and um, the composition X has already been marked um, in, in, the, in slide number 17, no? marked with the uh, red uh, label and red dot. Uh, so let's just imagine uh, this is our composition. So for us to, <coughs> at this particular composition, the first thing we are able to uh, compute is uh, the eutectyl, I'm sorry is the liquidus temperature okay so for this composition the liquidus temperature is 
1000 degrees and it's 1000 degrees because this is the uh, isotherm that our composition interact intersects with no so if we were to move uh, the composition um so it, in this example it's uh, quite easy no because the composition x has been conveniently plotted for simplicity reasons along uh, a particular contour uh, line no but we can have very well chosen a point wherein uh, it is between two contour lines so if it's between two contour lines then we will have to interpolate uh, the temperature in between those two isotherms okay so in any case for this uh, um, scenario we have a liquidus temperature of 1000 degrees so anything below 1000 degrees then uh, uh, the solid um, the solid crystals will begin to precipitate out and since we are in the region of uh, in in this particular x composition we are in the region of uh, c plus liquid and therefore we we will produce uh, c crystals okay so when we move past uh, 900 degrees celsius so if we plot a line connecting uh, the vertex C and you can see this in slide number 18 so if we use uh, vertex C then project a line passing through the alloy composition X up until the uh, contour uh, line of 900 degrees Celsius then we are able to create a tie line no? and this uh, tie line is known as an isopleth no? Um, I forgot to mention earlier, but an isopleth is just a line that, that, that this, these are lines which uh, have constant molar ratios. No? Okay, so notice that um, in this in this isopleth, um, the C composition is uh, moving uh, downwards, or meaning it is uh, um, reducing in concentration, but the ratio between the a and b components remains the same now okay so this is uh what i alluded to earlier now when i said that we are creating isoplethal cuts so uh this is what, exactly what we are looking for now so we have an isopleth and this isopleth uh, we can use to compute for the uh, phase amounts of the um of the two component of the two phases uh, C and liquid. Okay, so uh, again we use uh, the in inverse lever rule here. No, so um, if you look at the diagram in slide 18, you can see point L and point X, and point L is the end temperature we are analyzing. No, so and in this case we are analyzing 900 degrees. So again the situation is we are uh, moving from 1000 degrees and we are cooling our system to 900 degrees. So when we cool our system to 900 degrees, we should have produced uh, a crystal uh, component or a crystal phase with percentage equal to the lever from, from L to X. Okay, so that's L to X divided by the total, which is from L to C. Okay, so again, uh, the vertex represents the 100% uh, component. So that's uh, component C. Therefore, uh, the uh, the lever adjacent to it or connecting directly connecting to it will be the liquid lever, while the lever uh, that is opposite to that 100% uh, component C will be the uh, will be its uh, lever to determine the phase amounts. Now, okay. So if we were were to determine the liquid component. Since our liquid is um, is represented by the end of the tie line that follows the eutectic surface, then it is represented by the point L in this uh, particular graph. No, and therefore, if this uh, if the point L is the liquid uh, endpoint, then by the inverse lever rule, uh, the XC segment will be the uh, will be the lever that determines its uh, phase amounts. No? Okay, so notice how when you move 
down the temperature scale using following this isopletal line uh, you begin to uh, to increase the amount of uh, C component no so uh, as, as you can see here the segment the lever XC which is uh, the vertex to the uh, to the composition alloy X does not change in length no but the uh, XL um, lever changes as you go down or increases as you go down the temperature scale okay so what this implies is um, <clears throat> is that the liquid is decreasing in uh, percentage while the solid crystal uh, C is increasing in uh, percentage no? which makes uh, a lot of sense now because when we progress with solidification it makes sense that the solid crystal should be growing in in percentage okay so um, we, we can follow this uh, isopletal line up until the point where we reach a um, a eutectic trough no so when we reach a eutectic trough and for this example uh, it's somewhere around uh, 700 degrees celsius no or just a little below 700 degrees celsius and this is uh, marked in slide number 19 no? so if you look at slide number 19 you'll see a point zero and it at this point zero the a crystals will begin to pre precipitate so why a crystal because if you look at your uh, tie line no? uh, again we will follow the direction of the eutectic trough so if we follow the direction of eutectic trough point zero will move upwards to the ternary eutectic point uh, labeled as E. So when uh, this point zero moves upwards, um, we will create, uh, the tie line will also um, rotate using uh, point X as the fulcrum. No? So what this means is, uh, for example, if we go further down the temperature scale, then point zero goes upward. And this is shown in... Uh, in the slide in the next slide slide number 20 and if you can see point o moves towards uh let's say point m and that point m if you connect it with uh, your point x it meets when you project it uh further forward it meets at the baseline which is the uh, which is the line that connects uh component a and component c no 100% component A, 100% component C. And in this particular uh, line, since it is at the baseline, this is where you have 0% component P. So therefore, uh, any further solidification will be because of the precipitation of point A. Okay? So if we, uh, again, if we do the projection line, no? so from point M passing through point X, we meet the baseline and let's label this as point N. This point N here will indicate the amount or percentage of uh, the phase the the A and phase C for the combined solid uh, mixture. So if we were trying to get the percentage of uh, the solids in the liquid plus solid mixture, then this is just equal to the lever uh, mx no uh, again we use the inverse lever rule because the endpoint uh, n in this uh, case is the endpoint that signifies the mixture uh, ac solid while the lever m is our liquid um, is our liquid endpoint no? as it goes down the temperature scale okay so Again, uh, MX will be the lever for the percent solids, while XN uh, will be the lever representing the the liquid uh, percentage. Okay, so again, notice how when we are progressing uh, in our cooling, uh, the the solids is still continuing to grow. No, the percentage of solid is still increasing, and the percentage of the liquid is still decreasing okay so um i mentioned earlier that point n 
can be useful to determine the amount of uh, of uh, of A and C in the solid mixture. No? So the way we do this is just take the uh, take the composition of uh, the point N. No? Uh, so in this particular case, it's uh, it's uh, around N is at a point where it is around um, twenty, around twenty percent. Uh, a and 80% C and obviously 0% B because we are at the baseline opposite to the vertex uh, B no okay okay and if we further cool it down until we reach the uh, minimum temperature for which uh, there will be liquid which is again the ternary uh, eutectic point uh, labeled E uh, we can see that and then we need to uh, rotate our isoplet accordingly, no? So, um, we can see this in slide number 23. And no, and what we do is from the point E, uh, the eutectic, uh, the ternary eutectic point, we draw a line passing through point X until it reaches the baseline and intersects at, uh, I've labeled it N prime here, no? <coughs> so, here, this is our final tie line, no? And you can see that uh, there is uh, this is the last remaining liquid that will form no so the tie line or the lever from x to n prime will indicate the last remaining liquid uh, that will uh, and this last remaining liquid will be the one to undergo eutectic transformation no okay so we will have um, uh, at the end of this uh, cooling curve analysis we should have a percent uh, oh, we should have a certain amount of solids that have been precipitated out before the eutectic transformation even occurs and we should have the amount of liquid uh, remaining that will undergo the uh, eutectic uh, transformation okay okay so just a, a bit of a recap of, on what we did so we started off at uh, an elevated temperature we are that we are sure uh, is um, above which we have complete uh, liquid in our in our system and we noted um, through uh, the looking at the isotherms we noted what is the uh, liquid liquidus temperature uh, where where solid begins to crystallize or precipitate out now so from here we draw an isopleth line and we follow that isopleth line as we move down the temperature scale so following the isopleth line we can uh, because the isopleth line is a tie line we can compute for the percent amounts of the liquid phase and the solid phase so there will come a point where the endpoint of our isopleth line will meet the eutectic trough and from here we will pivot our uh, isopleth uh, along along the fulcrum x which is the um, alloy composition and we'll pivot it such that uh, one of the endpoints the liquid endpoint is moving uh, is now moving along the uh, along the eutectic trough and the other endpoint, the solid endpoint, is moving along the edge of the ternary diagram connecting uh, the two uh, solid uh, solid components. No? So from here, we are able to uh, again determine uh, percent uh, solids and percent liquids. And uh, we are also able to determine how much of the percent solid is uh, composed of the component uh, uh, is composed of one component over the other component again since we are moving along the baseline or along an edge of the uh, Gibbs triangle then our solids will be binary in nature no? and in our example it was uh, component A and component C okay so uh, as we for again further progress moving along the, the, the trough we meet a uh, we soon um, reach the eutectic uh, uh, ternary eutectic point and from this ternary eutectic point we are able to establish our final uh, tie line no? and this final tie line will now be the final composition before uh, eutectic transformation uh, occurs no? 
So in every stage of this cooling curve analysis, um, we are able to determine uh, all of the per percent compositions in terms of A, B, and Cs of every phase available, uh, specifically your liquid and your solid phases, simply by just looking at the ends of the tie lines. No? And uh, we need to employ the basics of reading uh, the ternary diagram for us to be able to uh, ascertain these compositions now. So I guess it's a, a bit difficult to visualize it at first now, uh, but uh, once we do some practice problems, uh, I think you will be able to master uh, the use of ternary diagrams. Uh, so with that, uh, I think we can end our uh, episode for today. I'll see you next week and thank you for tuning in to this episode. Bye.